below. <laughs> so, hey, grab your Bibles, grab a handout. We are in Romans chapter 15, and, and we got some stuff to cover. And then, and then we need to get into our small groups, too. So, your small group is, is where you can get people to pray, and like you'll actually maybe have time to explain a little bit more about what we're praying about and you get some people and you can meet with them every week who know where you're at and what you're doing and what you're struggling with that's your that's your posse that's your prayer posse and it can be accountability and and prayer and we want to make sure we have time for that but that means we got to get going so that we can get the teaching we need so that we can have the time you know not only time in our small groups but but we kind of are on the same page um, focused spiritually. So we're going to jump right in here in Romans chapter 15. And, and um, so we've praised and we've prayed and I think we can, we can get our eyeballs on, on what the Bible says and take notes in your handout that you can refer to in your small group if, if God's working on you with something, right? So um, thanks to everybody who's already put in a lot of work to, to make sure the, the morning is conducive for the things of the Lord. So, so you know, by way of review, we covered in the last couple weeks here that you can't give away what you don't have. Okay? But what we have received of the Lord, we can and should give that away. So what's been quote, freely given unto us. It wasn't really free. It cost Jesus' life for us to be reconciled unto God. But it was free for us. But then we can now freely give that away and lay down our lives for the sake of others. And so the strong should bear the burdens of the weak. We've been learning about in Romans chapter 15. In Romans 15, 1 through 7, that's where we were at last week, that passage summarizes Romans 14, but it also gives us five points of consideration to help us renew our minds. We are to be in an ongoing process of sanctification. We are to be in an ongoing process of maturation in which we're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ as we are transformed by the renewing of our what? Of our minds. And so when, you know, we aren't supposed to walk out of here the same as we walk in here. We're supposed to walk in differently. So we saw last week, we have a precedent. We have a perfect word. We have a pattern and we have a possession. And, and, and we looked at that last week. And, you know, if you missed it and you want to figure that out, you could go to mbtkc.org and go to the media and you could listen to that. We also just summarized Romans 15 in terms of an overview, and we saw that in the first section we have the God of patience and consolation. And if you read verse 5, you'll see that that's how God is described there. And then in the second section, which we're going to be in today, the God of hope, and we read about that in verse 13. We'll get to that. And then finally, in Romans 15, the God of peace. This is be the next uh, slide here, if you could go forward. So, so we see the God, I know you can't read this, but just in terms of an overview of the chapter, the God of, uh, of peace and uh, patience and consolation, the God of hope, and the God of peace. And that's how we can break down Romans 15, just in terms of maybe an outline. But this week is, is, is Romans 15, 8 through 21, and that's kind of a long passage, but we can handle it. So let's just read that together. Romans 
chapter 15, verses 8 through 21. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. That's the Jewish thing in that verse. And, that's not all, but and in verse 9, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. We just, we just did that. Verse 10, And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. Verse 11, And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I myself also am persuaded of you, Paul says, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind, because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, I have therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. That's our passage of scripture this morning. It's kind of a long passage. We're going to break it down into three different parts as we consider the God of peace. And so just by way of introduction, this section is kind of the, ready? It's the God of hope section. Well, that sounds really good. Um, but, but you know, we always need to ask the, okay, so, like, so what? Like, what's that mean for me? How Does it matter to us? Is this just another sermon I have to sit to? Well, you know, there's some, some interesting things. Livy, L-I-V-Y, was a historian, and he lived, he was contemporary with Paul. He was a little bit before Paul. He was a historian. He wasn't a Bible character. He wasn't an apostle. But he just wrote some things down for us. And one thing that Livy wrote, this would be shortly before Paul wrote the book of Romans. He tells the story about the Roman temple dedicated to the goddess Hope. Okay, so in a lot of cultures, they'll have different gods that they try to appease through sacrifice or devotion of some sort. And if you please the goddess of hope, then, then the thing that you're hoping in might come to happen, or maybe you'll have lots of hope. And so there was a temple dedicated to the goddess hope. He describes how this temple to her 
was struck by lightning and burnt down. <laughs> then they rebuilt it, and then it burnt down again. This slide that I like to use, stay there, go back. I mean, by stay there, I mean go back. No, no, go to the, you, freeze. Okay, right there. <laughs> this slide that I chose, we've been using it for over a year now. The reason I use this is because Paul's letter to the book of, uh, to, to, to the Romans, this is what happened. It, it completely tears down that world power, the philosophers of Rome. This is like the goddess, her temple of hope that got struck by lightning. Okay. Well, you know, that's about right. That's about that's about appropriate for the goddess of hope because hope for the non-believer is an uncertainty. For them, hope is a thing of immaturity. It's a childish it's a childish thing which over time will be replaced by a pessimistic realism due to time and experience. Every little girl, you know, she wants to be a princess or something like it. And the little boys, maybe they want to be an astronaut. And there's a childish dream and hope of, of this, this future for them. And then, you know, about seventh grade, the, the boy's got his backpack, his NASA backpack on, you know, and he's going to be an astronaut and he goes to math class. 6x plus 5 equals 5x plus 7 solve for x and the little future astronaut he's like teacher someone put numbers in my math problem I don't understand and at some point the, the teacher explains you know uh, you're going to special class <laughs> You're not going to be an astronaut. People like you don't get off this planet. We don't, we don't send people that can't do algebra to, to the moon. And at some point, the little boy realizes, oh, I'm not going to be an astronaut. And that little girl, she's going to be a princess. And, and her daddy's like, you, you're my princess. And, and you can do anything you set your heart to, Walt Disney says. And then dad leaves. She's like, I'm not the child of, of a king. I'm, I'm, my dad wouldn't even stay. She realizes I'm not a princess. And, and then over time and over the years, and expectations fail... And like a weary traveler chasing mirages in the desert, the lost, unbelievers just eventually stop believing that there's water there. It's just a mirage. And the sad conclusion, the people of the world and people who think this way, the sad conclusion that they come to is a philosophy of pessimism. It's a philosophy of despair. Perhaps with a little bit of bitterness mixed in. The grudge of disappointment and frustration which replaces the world's hope. 
Suicide is the tenth leading cause of death overall, but it's the second leading cause of death in ages 10 through 34. The fourth leading cause of death in ages 35 through 54, mixed right in there with such things as cancer, heart disease, strokes, trauma. From 2001 to 2017, during that 16-year period, the suicide rate increased 31%, and it's getting worse even more quickly since then. Yeah, so if the world's hope is a goddess, then yeah, she deserves to have her temple struck by lightning and burnt up. Okay, but that's the world. And, and you know what? Maybe you can relate to that a little bit. But I'm, I'm just here to say that for the believer, it's the opposite. For the believer, we have a different mind. We have a new understanding. And in this area of hope, listen, we have a God of hope. Our hope is a sure hope. It is a confidence with a real and unshakable foundation. Okay, so, so let's go on here. And now abideth for us faith, hope, and charity. We are saved by hope. We rejoice in hope. Our experiences don't lead to frustration and bitterness and pessimism. Our frustrations, I'm sorry, our experiences rejoice in, uh, result in more hope. Because our hope maketh us not ashamed. Our hope does not fail. We are to abound in hope. And seeing that we have such hope, we are to have great plainness of speech. And we'll get to that part here shortly. For the believer, our hope, listen, is a confidence about what we know to be true about our future. For the unbeliever, hope is an anxious contemplation about what they do not know about their future. I'm going to say that again in case you want to write it down. For a believer, hope is confidence in what we know about our future. For the unbeliever, hope, same vocabulary, different dictionary, hope is an anxious contemplation concerning what they do not know about their future. So, you know, a passage that helps us understand our God of hope, I think that's something we need to understand. It's something that we need to live by. We need not just the right vocabulary. We need the right dictionary and the right definitions and the right understandings. So let's enter into our passage this morning and make sure our minds have been renewed and that we have hope and not hopelessness, also called hope by the lost world. Crazy thing. Okay, verses 8 through 13 is Paul's exhortation to live an abundant spiritual life. And in this passage, we read that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. The promises made to the nation of Israel, Jesus Christ came to fulfill those things. Verse 8. But that's not all. 
in verse 9, we see that this Gentiles are also included. The Gentiles are also included. And what we see, verse 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Okay, now wait a minute. As it is written, it's also written, and it's written. We have a whole bunch of Old Testament prophecies that talk about the fact that the Gentiles will be included. Paul is teaching us in Romans chapter 15, this is that. Christ didn't just come for the nation of Israel. He came for the Gentiles also. The mystery of the church age, if you can understand dispensational theology a little bit. Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just keep coming, you'll get there. But what we see here is that the abundant spiritual life is, letter A, available to the Gentiles. And the quotes here from the Old Testament include Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 117, and Isaiah 1. Based on the Word of God, the Gentiles are included. And we've got the Law in Deuteronomy, we've got the Books of Wisdom and Psalms, and we've got Isaiah the Prophets. All bear witness to this truth. This truth is based on the Word of God. Paul is clearly making the case. He also states in verse uh, 9 there that this is based on God's mercy. It's not based on the law. It's not based on works. But we access God through his mercy. And we understand that clearly now after being in Romans for as long as we have been. If you read through that passage, you see that this abundant spiritual life is characterized by things such as joy, praise, laud, trust, hope, joy again and peace in the Holy Ghost that's what hope brings us that's what God's mercy according to his word results in in our lives and then verse 13 I want you to look at that verse 13 now the God of what the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope to the power of the Holy Ghost and I want you to notice this is a prayer. This is a prayer that Paul is praying for his adult Sunday school class. No, he's praying. He, Paul's praying this for, for, the, for the church there at Rome. Okay, we can apply this to our lives. And sometimes we pray, but we don't pray to the God of hope. Because we don't know him as we should. See, the Bible says, you know... He's a God of hope, and we ought to know him as such. And we pray to the God of hope. And can you maybe, could you maybe just picture in your mind something real quick? Maybe there's a, a kid who's, uh, you know, who didn't grow up with a loving father. And then, you know, you tell him, look, just pray to your father. And like, could you see how maybe they wouldn't, approach God for who he is, but maybe they would approach God based on their father. Could, could you picture that in your mind? Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, what if we do that? What if God is a God of hope and we don't pray to him like he's a God of hope because we're in that worldly cycle of, you know, we've bought into the philosophy of despair. We've given up on hope. What if we're not praying right? Man, that, that just... Maybe I ought to give some of us pause a little bit. Being filled with all joy and all peace comes from believing 
Okay, well, we, we should talk about that. Romans 15, verse 4, we covered that last week. Okay. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, talking about the scriptures, were written for our learning. We're supposed to learn those things. When I started in discipleship for the first time, I realized I didn't know anything. Like, I guess I've never really learned anything out of the Bible. Been in church my whole life. I knew stuff, and I hadn't really studied and learned the Bible. Written for our learning. Why? That we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. See, people keep trying to get you to get discipled or, or go next level, and it's because they love you. And they want you to have hope and they want you to have comfort because they see you need comfort, but you're not doing the things that bring comfort, right? So, Psalm 119, verse 49. Okay. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. We have God's Word. We learn it. Through learning it, we get comfort. Through learning it, we get patience. Through learning it, we get hope. And, and what happens is, is we learn to trust God. We learn to believe in God according to His Word. And this is living in light of spiritual reality. The lost, we could also call them unbelievers. Okay? They, they're unbelievers. They don't believe what? They don't believe God's word. They don't believe God's promises. We call ourselves believers because we believe in Christ. Well, you believe in Christ? That came through the word of God. That you, you believe God's word. Okay, so, so for a believer, you know, we have a different reality. In fact, it's so different that hope kind of means the opposite. The word hope is understood opposite from a believer to the world. Okay, so, so we understand that word differently because what... Look at this. Okay, so they'll play on words. What stands under our hope is certainty. And what stands under their hope is uncertainty. The believer's hope is sure because it comes from believing that which is certain because it's undergirded by the unshakable word of God. So we believe in God's word and all of a sudden you read things like, you're a child of the king. Your world is not on this earth, your world is up there. Your home is in heaven. You know, and everything that was dashed by the world, all of a sudden God starts to rebuild in us. Wait a minute. I am a princess? Yeah, you are. You're a child of the king. Wait a minute. I, I do get off this planet? Yes, you do, young man. <laughs> and you get to be a ninja. And you get to be a fireman. And you get to be a hero. And you get to be a soldier. Is this making sense? But our hope... Okay. 
comes from believing what I know to be true about my future. Because I have certainty of the words of truth. I do have a Bible. It's just not reality yet in my life. I Just wait till he returns. And we see each other for who we really are. And then our hope will come to realization. That thing that we've always hoped for. We're like, yeah, finally. I've been waiting according to God's word. The lost people, their hope is based on what they don't know. But they have a fearful like trepidation. Like, I hope it goes well for me. But I don't know that it will. And it's based on exactly the opposite. Uncertainty. And so some of us may need to to kind of change our mindset on that a little bit. The second section, Roman numeral 3 on your handout, is Paul's encouragement to disciple. In verse 14 of Romans chapter 15, we read, And I myself also, Paul says, am persuaded of you to the church, that's us, okay, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Wow. Well, that's pretty good. Paul's, Paul's telling them, hey, you guys can disciple each other. What you've received, you can teach others. Right? Second Corinthians 3.12 Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. If you, if you study out the context of that passage, Paul's talking about how the Gentiles have the Holy Spirit, and we've been given this ministry, and we can just plainly speak forth the things of God by the Spirit of God and trust in that process. So what we see is, is this admonishment of verse 14, people admonishing one another. Okay, so, Bill, you're going to admonish Wagi, and uh, Wagi, you're going to admonish Bill. You're going to admonish one another. You're going to speak truth out of God's Word to each other. Iron sharpening iron. And, and it says brethren. So Paul's basically saying, you guys, you know, start doing that. I'm going somewhere else. And, and, and you know, I'm going to, I mean, I'll maybe come visit you, but in the meantime, you guys, disciple. You commit what you have received to others. See, you're full of all goodness. You've learned the truth. And now you can take that and you can speak into the life of someone else. You see that? So, 2 Timothy 2, 2. You guys know that verse. Or here, here's uh, 2 Peter 1, 4 and 5. Whereby are giving unto us, okay, exceeding great and precious promises. Does anyone here have exceeding great and precious promises? Yeah, if you have a Bible, you have that. Okay? That by these things you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, your Christianity, what you believe, add to that virtue, strength, determination, I'm going to be a part of God's plan. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to move forward. Okay. Add to your virtue knowledge. Learn of God's word. And then once you have that, you can then teach others. And 2 Timothy 2.2 is kind of one of our church's theme verse. And you guys know that. 
the things you've received, things you've heard among many witnesses. The same you commit that to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And there's our process of discipleship with which we are very familiar and which I hope you've bought into in some way, right? That's what we're all about. But that's verse 14. And then in 15 through 21, what we see is Paul's boldness and example of evangelistic Bible studies. Really? Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, so, you know, Sam Sam was in Romans chapter 8 in main service, and and, and what he described there, starting, maybe, maybe just flip back with me to Romans chapter 8, okay? Starting in verse 18, what we see is, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And we want to be part of the process of laying down our lives, serving God now. Because that's going to result in a more glorious revelation at the time of the big reveal. It doth not yet appear what we really are. Because we're still just walking around in our bodies in a fallen world, in a fallen race. But there is coming a time when you will put off weakness and you'll put on strength and you'll put off incorruptible, um, corruptible and you'll put on incorruptible. You put off achy joints and a bad back and a mind you're not sure you can trust all the time, and and you're gonna put off all that stuff. And we're gonna put on a body like the body of the resurrected Christ. Wow, how incredible is that! And then in that great reveal, if we were willing to serve and suffer now, that also is gonna be revealed at that point in time. And Paul goes through and talks about this. And what we see in Romans chapter 8 is a description of a description of how, you know, the whole world groaneth and <laughs> travaileth in pain. Verse 22. While we're waiting, verse 20, the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly, but reason of him was subjected the same in hope. We're hoping, we're looking forward to that day, but we know it's going to come to pass because God already said it. It's already a done deal. It's been predestinated. He foreknew it. It's going to happen, period. And we know that the things that are happening in our lives right now are working toward that end of glorification. Okay. So that's a Romans chapter 8. Back to Romans chapter 15. Because what we're looking at here is hope lived out. Verses 15 through 21, Paul says, Hey, I, I know you guys know this. I know you're filled with goodness. I know you could admonish one another. But I'm being really bold in this Roman epistle that I'm writing unto you. And here's why I'm being bold. Because verse 16, I'm the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Peter, he went to the Jews and I went to the Gentiles. And it's through my gospel, through what I'm teaching as the apostle that God's given to me that I'm... I'm sorry, the epistle that God's given to me that I am preaching to you that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. 
like the Levites, were sanctified and set apart for the service of God. The church is sanctified and set apart for service, empowered by the Holy Ghost. He's making reference to that. That's what he's referring to here, if, if you studied the thing out. He says, I therefore, whereof I, that, or uh, verse 17, I have therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. Verse 18, he says, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me. So in other words, there were other people doing work for the Lord. Okay. Paul wasn't the only person doing anything. Paul says, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about another man's labors, but I myself personally labored to preach the gospel, to teach the things of God and take the things that were given to me. He says, you know, I did that through Word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, verse 19, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So Paul, this is his second missionary journey, and he's probably referring to that. Illyricum is right up here. This is the Adriatic Sea. Here's Italy. And Illyricum was along the coast up north north and west of Macedonia, which was right, right in this area of, of Greece there, okay? So, Paul says, yeah, I went all around in there, you, you Romans. I, I was over here, and I went all around there preaching and doing this work. He says, for I, uh, verse 20, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. See, Paul read that in the Bible. They that don't know, they're going to know. Those that haven't heard, they're going to hear. Those that don't see, they're going to see. And Paul says, I'm, I'm going to be the guy that helps those that don't see, see. And those that haven't heard, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to go there and I'm going to preach the gospel and the word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It will divide asunder the, the word of God by the spirit of God. And that prophecy is going to be fulfilled through me. Well, well, that's awesome. Okay, so... We see from this section that all people need a gospel witness. Jews and Gentiles, that's actually the whole world. That's everybody. Everybody needs a gospel witness. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we preach the gospel, do we not? Paul says it was according to the word and by the Spirit of God. I just in faith did this thing. Not, not trying to preach the gospel where... It's already been heard. I want to preach the gospel where it's not heard. I want to go out there and I want to find lost people. And I'm going to preach the gospel by the Spirit of God. Okay, so letter C, continuing to reach the Gentiles for Christ in faithful accordance to the Word of God. And I want to make personal application to this. For us, the the okay. So here we we saw the map of Paul's missionary journey, and we saw where Paul went. And you got that in the back of your Bible, 
right? Back there by the little mini concordance or whatever, back there by the notes, you got the maps. Okay, the maps are not inspired and preserved, but we all got them in our Bible because what a good story. Look where Paul went. Look what he did. And everywhere he went, there's these different churches that grew up and that started and how exciting. And, and like, here's our map. So what if at the great reveal, we're standing before God and, and God just brings up the map of your life. Like, like, like Mike, what, what if the map of your life, like, well, here, Mike went from Midtown Baptist Temple and, and he went up to Independence Avenue where you could find some closed eyes and some closed hearts and some blinded people with no hope in this world. And, and, and what, if, what, if, what if there was a Bible study right there? Because you in faith went there because we have a Bible. Because we know the end of the book. We have certainty of the words of truth. And I know what's written to me. And I'm willing now to just trust God according to his word and go. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, just teach the gospel and trust God. Wagi, what if, what if you got a map? And in the day of your great reveal, we can see Wagi's journeys. We, we'd have to do bigger than just Kansas City Metro for you because... Because it, it starts in Egypt, just like the world. Okay, no. Okay, but then, but then, what if your map? What if on that map there's an Arabic-speaking church in Kansas City? Because you just in faith went to where people don't know the truth, and you just started preaching the truth. What's the map of your life going to show? Okay, so the structure that we have in place, what God is blessing us here with in Kansas City is our Bible studies. We're just getting going as a class in this. We're still, we're still learning how to do this. Praise the Lord. We'll, we'll learn as we go in faith. And, and I, you know, we're never going to arrive. It's always going to be the Word of God by the Spirit of God and just people acting in faith, not in awesomeness. We are trying. And, and when Christ returns, we're going to be caught going and preaching to the lost. Okay, so we're going to break up into our small groups now. So we're going to close out this portion of our class.